The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, the illustrious Scott Alexander. And right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Say hi, Tam Tam. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm waiting for the crowd. <sighs> so I want to plug the band because okay, we plug need to band. plug. <clears throat> um, this coming up uh, Saturday of yep. next week, which is uh, October 15th, we'll be at uh, Heavy Metal Brewing in Vancouver, Washington. Um, now, and, we, and I played this venue before. They got excellent food. Great beer. It's uh, they 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 brew their own beer. Yeah. So come on out, man. Cover charges cover charges ten bucks. So that's not too bad for seeing two two bands. We're uh, opening for us is a band called Tangent, and I've uh, they've opened for us before. They're they're awesome. They're fan freaking tastic. And the address for the location is eight oh nine MacArthur Boulevard in Vancouver. The Couve. In the Couve. So in the Couve. Say hi to us. We'll sign autographs. We do it every show and get. And, and and here's the other thing, boys and girls, we don't bite. We're Scott all does, but the other ones are nice. Only if they ask. <laughs> Scott does, but the other band members are really nice. I do it because I'm a naughty kitty. Just just go up and tell Matt that you know Tammy said to say hi. <laughs> oh my oh, god! No, tell Matt Squatch said to say hi. <laughs> because I'll tell you, man, I love Matt. Matt is just. Seriously, because and we, we were talking about this today at practice and what have not, because Matt is going through some stuff that I'm not going to talk right, about on no, the air. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we are all we all agree that we're we're, we're like brothers. Like yeah. we're, we're that close. No. Yeah. And I mean, because Matt's like the one that I mean, the other guys do it, too. But Matt usually is as soon as he sees me. Hey, Squatch. Well, that, Matt, Matt is like it's the like, greatest the brother one, ever. The others, the others will like kind of like like echo that. But right away, it's like, hey, Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, because he, he reminds me of an old world stoner. He's an old world he stoner, is, man. But, you know, I mean, and people who don't know him, it's like, OK, this is what he sounds like. Hey, What's up? <laughs> He's just so laid back and chill. Right, you right. Can't, you can't, like, like upset him over nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I'm closer to my bandmates than I have ever been, my, even my brothers. Because I do have ac- actual brothers. You do. You have two bro- three brothers and one sister, right? You got it. Yeah, see, I know your oh, family. Dun, dun, dun. I'm closer to them than I am my own family. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're just wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. So, no, yeah, they are. Come they on are out. Excellent. Check us out, man, because I, I guarantee you'll have a good time. I oh, promise. Well, guarantee. We're, we're not your typical band. I interact, and we all interact with the audience quite a bit. Yeah. It's, it's an immersive experience. I, I, please don't throw your underwear at him because I don't want to hear about it for weeks, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> that happens almost every show. I don't no, know. I've been to, I don't I've know been to why three, women feel and it hasn't need. happened to any of them I've been at yet. <laughs> I don't know why women want to give me their undergarments all the time. Although, at the Mill City show, Max was the only one who had a fan drooling all Dude, over him. And that was so awesome. That was. That was good for Max, man. It He's never was, done big shows. It was awesome. I mean, and I think it was just as important for her as it was for him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Matter of fact, as a side note, make sure you get them out a message and let them know where we'll be. Oh, 
yeah. Well, she can't go, but yeah. Yes, yeah, she can. It's on all. It's all ages. Oh, is it this all is, ages? This now? is an all ages oh, show. Okay. Well, I'll have to get the message out then. Yeah. Because I ages. thought it was a twenty-one and up. No, no. Otherwise, no. I'd have sent a message a long time ago to them. Yeah. All ages show. I forgot. I should have mentioned that. So, anywho, you have you. So you're telling me about this guy's name's Anthony John Hardy, and yep. I, I saw his picture, aka just, the Camden Ripper. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. lay it on me. You said he did some funky ass stuff. He so. did something, and I could. The thing is, is what he did is I'm going to hear jokes about it for the rest of my life from you. Ah, sweet. Yeah, because I know you. But anyways, Anthony John Hardy was born in 1951 on May 31st in Wenzel, United Kingdom. He grew up in a town in a place called Burton upon Trent in Staffordshire. And he has three older siblings. Okay. He he's also the son of a coal miner. I'm he was born to go, my son. <laughs> and we can say that because, you know, rest her soul. She died this last week or last week before last. But, you know. Um, Hardy had, he had what everybody would consider for all intents and purposes a normal childhood. Okay? He wasn't abused so much. And you know what I mean? Nothing really stands out in that area. Um, however, he did yearn to live outside of the lower middle class lifestyle that he was raised in. Okay, he wasn't abused or anything, but he just felt slighted in life. He worked hard in school and excelled academically. So in 1970s, he applied and was accepted to the London Imperial College, where he stuttered, stuttered, studied engineering. And while he was there, he met a lady by the name of Judith Dwight, and they were married in 1972 and went on to have four children, three sons and one daughter. All right, so far, you're giving me a normal, um, a know, normal right? upstanding dude. That's what I was saying. You know, he's too. working his ass off to get through school, yes. and uh, he the, went to college. and Yeah, wanted to, like, get out of his life, you know, that lower middle class lifestyle that people can get stuck in. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. totally. Okay, well, then, in... He, him and his wife moved to, him and his family moved to Tasmania, Australia, you know where the devil is? Uh-huh. Due to his work. And while there, he started to display some early signs of mental illness. He developed an obsession with sex and having it with other women. In other words, having sex with his wife wasn't satisfying to him anymore. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to defend him right there. Okay, but let me say this next sentence first real quick. Aight. Then, one night in 1982, 10 years after they were married, he decided he had to kill her. I used to love her, <laughs> but I had to kill her. No, yeah. yeah, okay, no. Well, you know, okay, uh, here's the thing. Maybe she was getting lippy. There we go. And, uh, okay. <laughs> she decided she didn't want to be in the kitchen no more. And make exactly. him a sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> He, he was he was like make me a sandwich. No, I'm a woman. I don't. And that's yeah. You got to get take. I have rights. No, but okay. So here's the thing. You can love somebody with all of your heart, but the sex is trash. No, that's true. So maybe no. The, I mean, the whole part about killing her though is what got me, and that he was obsessed with it. Well, hold on. Did he kill? He didn't kill his wife though, right? Um. Well, I mean, right now. As of that moment, no. Okay. Because, well, you know, and that's what I'm getting at. There's, maybe he loved his wife and he loves his kids. He loves his family. But the, maybe she's like, look, I'm not into sex anymore. That's just not my thing. Or okay, the, yeah. or the, the, the sex was just garbage. Yeah. You know, so ah. sex is, to, to me, sex is sex. 
and love is love. Uh-huh. Now, you can have sex and love that intermingle, uh-huh. but they're not mutually exclusive to each other. That's true, too. I will agree with that statement. Sorry, my my tooth socket's hurting. I know that sounded weird, but... It would have been weirder if you would have said your lips, because you ain't got no damn lips. No, it's a tooth socket where I had a buckle fracture years ago, and every once in a while it aches like I still have a tooth there. It's weird. But, um, yeah. Anyways, so, on this night in 1982, when he decided it was time to kill his wife, he filled a water bottle with water and put it in the freezer. Then he went and ran a bath. Once the bath was filled, with the bathtub was filled, he took the frozen bottle and began to beat her over the head with it. And once he had knocked her senseless, he dragged her to the bathroom and proceeded to try and drown her. Okay, I got to stick up for him again. He's not a basic bitch. He didn't try to use this arsenic is true. or anything like that. This dude put some effort into it, okay? Dude, this is bizarre. Yeah. But then, fortunately for Judith, one of their sons came into the room and saw what he was doing and started screaming. And so that drew somebody, a neighbor's attention, and Hardy was arrested. However, no, file, no charges were filed because... Um, the court recommended that he seek psychiatric help. So he checked himself into a psychiatric clinic in Queensland. And he was there for a few weeks before they released him, and he returned to London. Well, wait a minute. His wife died, though, right? No. Oh. She lived. Okay. Because her son came in and started screaming. Okay, okay. That that makes sense. Sorry, I I lost No, yeah, I said that she was only saved because one of their sons came in screaming. Right? So then then once he was released, after a few weeks, he went back to London and according to our researcher, and I couldn't find out whether it was true or not, but um, nobody knew whether his family returned with him because nothing was mentioned of his family. So until 1986, when Judith filed for divorce, she was awarded custody of all of their children. And shortly after that, he began to stalk her. He even placed microphones in her house it got so bad that she had to file a restraining order, and he eventually violated that order and was put in jail for a short time. Okay? Then he was released and sought psychiatric help again from outpatient clinics. And this is stuff he's seeking on his own. Okay, so let's give him a little bit of credit. Okay? Because we gave it to Cole. Right, right. No, you know no, what no, I mean? Don't, don't I was say, where did I leave you? <laughs> I'm here. So this is when he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And and our researcher puts and manic depression, but those are two in the same. You know? Yeah. Bipolar disorder is what they used to call manic depression back in the day. And there's two forms of it, bipolar one and bipolar, bipolar two. two. And bipolar two is just the extreme mood swings and the hypromania and the hypodepression. Like you. Well, I was going to say, I have bipolar too. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you have hypermania, you have hyperdepression. And a lot of times with hypomania, I'll admit, comes the, the, it's called hyposexual activity, where you will seek out sex with anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter. Oh my God, that's what I have. No, Scott, you just have hornyism. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And then there's bipolar one, which that goes along with, you start to hear voices and shit too. You hallucinate, basically. And then he also had what was called peripheral neuropathy, which you and I kind of talked about neuropathy earlier in relation to something else. But that's the result of damage to the nerves located outside of the brain and the spinal cord. And it often causes weakness and numbness and a lot of pain in the hands and feet. 
And it can also um, affect other areas of the body, including digestion, urination, circulation, and some have even said sexual, you know, the sexual aspects of human nature. You know, because with your circulation and urination, you have a harder time getting an erection, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? No, I don't have that problem. I didn't say you specifically had that problem. I was just wondering if you knew what I meant. I know what you mean. Okay, thank you. I feel your pain. Do you hear me chirping, Big Bird? I hear you chirping, Big Bird, and picking up what you're laying down. Picking up what you're laying down. So in 1990s, mid-1990s, he became homeless. He spent most of his his time living in various hostels throughout the London area. At that time, he also began to use drugs and abuse alcohol. And this made his psychological problems worse. Go figure, right? He again got into trouble for aggressive behavior and thefts because he was again spent a short time in jail. Then in 1998, he was arrested for indecent assault after a prostitute reported that he raped her. However, there wasn't enough evidence to press charges for rape, so they were dropped. (laughs) There were also three more prostitutes who accused him of raping them, but yet again, there wasn't enough evidence. So any charges that were brought up against him were eventually dropped. And they advised him to get help, psychological help. And so he again checked himself into a psychological place as an outpatient clinic at St. Luke's Hospital. Then in 2000, yes, we're talking about recent history, he moved to a one-bedroom flat on Royal College Street in Camden. It was located just a short distance from King's Cross and an area that is well-frequented by prostitutes. In January 2002, he was upset with a neighbor because a water leak was coming from his apartment from, into his apartment from the upstairs neighbor that he took black paint and graffitied the neighbor's door and put battery acid through the mail slot. Okay? The neighbor suspected it was Hardy as the acid footsteps led the police straight to his front door. <laughs> so he got in trouble again. That's a Blue's Clues moment. Right? So at the same time, another neighbor told the police that Hardy's had a strange behavior with drilling noises coming from his apartment at odd hours. So when the police arrived at Hardy's door to question him, they asked to search his apartment. They found that that there was a bedroom door that was locked and asked him about it. He said that he had the room rented out to a woman who was out of town, so he didn't have access and the, so they said, you know what? Well, we want to take you down to the police station and question you about the graffiti on your neighbor's door and the battery acid, right? So, okay, this is where he's not so brilliant. He says to them, okay, let me grab my jacket first because it's cold. Well, of course the police are going to want to search his jacket before they let him leave with it on because they want to make sure there's no weapons in it, right? I have a weapon in my pants. Anyways. A weapon so of mass affection. they want to make sure there's no me- weapon in this jacket, right? It's common sense. They check it, and they find the key that opens the door that he said belonged to a, a tenant. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So when they used the key in the door, what they found was horrific. They found a naked woman lying on the bed. Her face was covered with a towel, and she had cut marks on her head, a bite mark on her leg, and bruising all over her body. So she, her body, she was dead, obviously. And so they sent her to a coroner pathologist right she wouldn't make a damn sandwich right well the pathologist name this is the first part i don't want to fucking talk to you about his name was freddie patel okay no it's all i keep thinking is five fingered freddie were you and matt talking about five fingered freddie the other day no we're talking five nights at freddie's which is a horror game 
Oh, what was Five Finger Freddy then? I don't know. Probably one of your customers? No, I think that's a horror movie too. Uh-huh. I I know I've heard that name before. Shut up. Anyways. So after Patel examined the body, he determined that the woman did not die from foul play. She died from a coronary disease or natural causes, and she was 38-year-old Sally Rose White. She was a prostitute from the King's Cross area who had a crack addiction. She was hooked on the pipe. Damn. I've had some chicks that are hooked on a way different kind of plumbing. I'm done. I need I need to check out right now. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, they call so, me a plumber, man. I lay a lot of pipe. Yeah. She also had brain damage and severe behavioral disorders that were caused by a spinal injury that she incurred that she incurred during birth. So he believed that her untreated health issues along with her drug addiction caused her to have a heart attack. So in 2000, August of 2002, during his, a one release day from St. Luke's, he took a train out of London and was back before curfew. He may have been testing what he could get away with or maybe to see if others around him noticed what he was doing. Because he had gotten... Oh, he had gotten a prescription for Uprima, which is an alternative to Viagra from another hospital in London. Oh, I didn't even know that and, Viagra had generics. Wow. Yeah, Holy me shit. neither. Okay. So, and because of his addiction to sex and he had become diabetic, he was suffering from erectile dysfunction, well, which I'm sure you know about. Well, no, and, I, I know about <laughs> being diabetic because I'm diabetic because that, that's one of the side effects because di- having diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. Oh, I know. So that's why a lot of diabetics would like, if it's untreated, would lose a, a limb, like a leg usually, oh, yeah. or a foot, um, oh. and, and have erection problems. My dad was diabetic, and he had the same problem. Um, yeah, my dad did, too. Me and my dad talked about freaking everything, and he had to take Viagra Cialis. Oh, see, I, my dad and I didn't talk about that, but yeah, he had a lot of like other... Like, he almost lost his leg because of it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I kind of take care of, I take care of my diabetes and, uh, and what have not. I could probably do a better job of it, but, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, Mr. M&M's at night. Oh, God. Love M&M's. But, you know, I, I, I take care of it, and I don't, I don't have that problem. I don't have any erection yeah. problems or circulation problems or, I mean, anything like that. I mean, the closest I have is arthritis. Yeah, true. Ah, oh, I hurt. So anyways, uh, he actually, during that time, he also wrote to several prostitutes asking them for dominant sex. And in those letters, he claimed that he was a wealthy individual and told them that he was looking for a, quote, special relationship. Then he would watch videos of simulated rapes and advertise for a female lodger. He also was also doing other weird things at this time. And this is what I'm talking to you about, please, Lord. Do not let him make any jokes because he took pictures of women in bars and was caught licking the leather sofas where they were sitting. Wow. He, when they were questioned, when he was questioned about it, he told them that he liked the taste of leather. And he seemed to have some <laughs> sick, twisted perception that if he licked the sofa, he could taste the women who were sitting on it. I can see that. I can, I can oh see that. Oh, my God. I'm throwing up in my mouth right now. You know, I. Uh, so, was your new f- favorite flavor leather and not clear? 
I'm just, uh, everybody's got their weird thing, man. Everybody's got their weird thing. I, me personally, I wouldn't be licking weird-ass leather from a bar. Yeah, me neither. Because, yeah, you just saw a chick sitting there, but there could have been a dude, especially in England, in a kilt. (laughs) You may have just been, you may have literally teabagged yourself. You may have. You may be licking some some sweaty nuts going on. That's so gross. You're so disgusting. No, because as soon as I read that about him licking the stuff, I'm like, oh, great. Scott's going to say his favorite flavor is leather now. (laughs) Mm, Leather. Anyways, he was released in November 2002 from the care of the counselors at St. Luke's. Now, despite repeated messages that his counselors saying that he was a danger to women, especially if they were a prostitute, a three-person panel still released him with no recommendations for him to seek counseling. Then in mid December of that same year, he traveled to the Midlands for a message by a lady named Sarah. However, Sarah said that he raped her. Oh, for a massage. Excuse me. I read that wrong. I was like, wait a minute. That didn't make any sense. Um, he, he's, he supposedly went there to get a massage by this lady named Sarah. However, Sarah said that he raped her. Then on December 30th, Uh, 2002, a homeless man was looking for food in garbage bins when he came across a black and green garbage bag. He thought it had a couple of fish in it, so he took it out and proceeded to open the bag. Those are vaginas. However, what he found was not fish. It was two legs, severed (laughs) legs. Like chicken legs? No. KFC? No. Was it Colonel in town? No. The homeless man then took the remains to the nearest hospital and turned them in, and the hospital set reported them to the police, of course. No, the hospital said, oh, thank goodness, Margaret was missing these. So fucking So then, of course, the police went, and they searched that garbage, the garbage can. Have you seen these missing legs? Yeah. <laughs> Behind a pub off. on Royal College Street, and the police cordoned off the area. They began to search the trap trash bins in that area including the original bag and found approximately eight more bags just like the first one that had severed body parts in them they found the torso of a young woman in a wheelie bin about a hundred yards from the crime scene and all the remain all of the remains were sent to saint pancras hold on let me let me explain the whole bin situation yeah it's like a dumpster because People say wheelie bin, and you have people here in the states that don't know those terms, and they go, "What the hell is a wheelie bin?" So you know your trash cans, like if you're if you're in the Pacific Northwest, we have waste management, and yeah. all of our trash cans that our they wheelies. provide, they have wheelies. They they got wheels on them, just like our our uh, our recycle bin. That's a wheelie bin. Yes. Okay. So then, if it's just, if they're just saying a the trash curbside, bin, yeah, a trash bin is like a dumpster. Yeah. So that's. That's the translation there. I only know that because they say the same thing up in Canada. Okay, eh? That's right, eh? We take the wheelie bins out, eh? Yeah. So anyways, they were sent to this St. Pancras mortuary for examination. And, of course, Freddie Patel was in charge of examining them. And the parts found were from two different women. It was very difficult to determine who the victims were because the heads and hands were still missing. But they were fighting over the legs going, those are mine. No, those are way too good looking to be yours, you you, you arthritis-ridden, veiny-legged sucker. And she, but I <laughs> Veiny-legged <want> sucker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Spider vein. Varicose vein. Are you done? So Old lady. Anyways. Wrinkly. It was determined, though, they'd, they'd all been killed over the Christmas holiday. And the first person in the area that came to mind 
when the police were investigating was Anthony John Hardy. Police went to his flat, and he was not anywhere to be found. The a flat's an apartment, yes. folks. However, when they searched his apartment, they found a hacksaw with human skin still attached to the blade. They also found an electric jigsaw, pornographic magazines scattered everywhere, and a woman's stiletto heel was found on the windowsill. Okay, here we go again. The dude has a fetish. And they find porn. And what do they do? And pornographic magazines. Okay, but can you explain the hacksaw with human skin? No, I that, no, that everything else is gross. Like except for like the woman's heel. Maybe he wants to dress up in stilettos. Okay, yeah, I can see that. But yeah, the but, hacksaw with human skin got me though. But yeah, the the other things I go, no, that's legit. You know, you have a hacksaw with human skin, that's that's gross. That's you know, and there's blood. Okay, no, I see that, but then, then we found porn. I will bet that these cops watch porn themselves. Oh, I'm sure every police officer does. Yeah, they're sitting there and they're they're, you know, freaking they're beating their meat like freaking Rodney King and uh, you know, freaking and the, but we uh, found porn. I can't. <laughs> you okay over there? No. <laughs> Would you rather say they beat their meat like Reginald Denny? Maybe. Gee, <laughs> many Christmas. Anyways, they police, also... Police meat matters? Is that what... I mean, does that help? No. The police even found blood in the bathroom, a devil's mask laying on a table beside a note that read, Sally White, R.I.P. Remember the first lady? Yes, am Yeah, okay. The most incriminating evidence, though, against Hardy was a woman's torso wrapped in garbage bags in his bedroom. Because oh, he yeah. was nowhere to be found. It was believed that he had skipped town. Yeah, you, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. Everything else you can explain away. You know what I mean? Like before yeah, but forensic test. Yeah, torso in your bedroom. Yeah, you can say, hey, man, like yeah. I was chopping up some meat. With, you know, like a, like I, I bought a side of beef and I had to hacksaw it. Okay, it's, it's not probable, but it's possible. And the woman's yeah. stiletto, well, I like to wear women's stilettos. It's too small for me, but... That was my, you know, Amazon. What can I say? Okay, okay, I can see where that can happen. because you know they always ship the wrong size. But if you have a woman's torso in your bedroom wrapped up, Amazon don't deliver that. Yeah, no, they don't. Not exactly you can go back. Scott's tried. They don't. I tried. Wish doesn't even deliver. Wait, Wish does, but it's synthetic. I tried to get them to deliver me an Asian woman. No, not going to happen. They don't. And it make, no. that actually, I want to complain about that. Now, that makes me sad. I've been trying to get a hold of a Korean woman ever since your brother was in the hospital with his wife having their second child, Wonton. And, <laughs> and I told you about their Korean Mary Poppins. Yeah. She just appeared at the door. She just appeared and she goes, hello, I have to do things. And she walks in yes. and she starts cleaning and cooking, doesn't cleaning say anything. Cleaning and cooking and doesn't say nothing. I am in love with this woman. I want to find her sister or a cousin, somebody who's just like her, and bring her on over. Yeah. This is like the woman of my dreams going on here. I'm telling you. But yeah, no. Then in on January 1st of 2003, a local pharmacy caught footage on their CCTV camera of a man trying to fill his diabetic medications who looked a lot like Hardy, only he had shaved his beard and altered his appearance. Well, he can't alter it much. I saw his picture. I know. I was going to say, you really can't mistake him, can you? He's actually... I look like Uncle Fester without without my goatee. This guy looks like a whole bowl full, a whole bucket of messed up is what he looks like. Well, and I was going to say, you look like Uncle Fester when you don't have any facial hair. But when you started having your full beer before you got your goatee back, 
It looks like Santy. Yep. Scotty Claus is coming yeah. to town. Which I'm telling you right now, John looks like he's on a close second to that. His beard's growing in really nice, man. Yeah. It's he's, it's growing oh, in good. I kicked something. So anyways, apparently he had waited for four hours at the pharmacy to get his diabetic medication, and someone in the smoking lounge saw him and turned him into the security guards. The hospital staff spoke with Hardy, and they believed he either had been drinking or he was drunk at the time. And they tried to talk him into going to a hostel. He got all panicky and left without getting his medication at that point. Um, after, they went, after the authorities went back and looked at the CCTV footage, they found footage of him going to trash bins and disposing the, back, the black and green garbage bags in the alleys. And also reported by those who had seen him that he was talking to himself and not really making a whole lot of sense at the time. Okay, but you can still explain away that. You can, hey, what, what can I say? I was, I was throwing away. I was throwing True. away some, you know, and, every, and there's more than me that buy these black and, and green garbage bags. And talk to yourself. Yeah, I was. That bag was heavy. I was sitting there going, you rotten SOB. God, you're so heavy. I got to quit putting so many heavy things in here and just take them out when they're maybe half full. I was upset. No, I, I talked to myself. So you can explain all that away. I say I talk to myself all the time. But that torso in your bedroom there, freaking Anthony. Yeah, yeah you really can't ooh. explain it still. There is no explanation in the yeah. world that is even, like I said, everything in the world is possible. Very few things are probable. This one isn't even on the possibility scale, and I never thought that I would ever. Nothing you say is possible to explain that. Right. What? Somebody broke into my house and put this in there. Uh, no, they didn't. No, no because nobody, if, if they're going to do it, they're not going to leave it wrapped up like a gift. Yeah. No. Exactly. So apparently a citizen at the time reported that they had seen Hardy with a young woman by the name of Kelly Ann Nicole. She was 24 years old, sometime after Christmas. And they were afraid that she was going to, she was actually a victim of his, right? Because they hadn't seen her. But come to find out when it was released that they, you know, that she might be a victim, she called her parents and let them know that she was fine. Apparently, she did run into Hardy and he tried to get her to go home with him, but she refused. And somehow, because she got this weird feeling from him, which probably saved her life. Um, then another woman he was reportedly seen with was a lady, a 25 year old by the name of Frances Mayhew. And Frances said that Hardy called her and told her that he, that he had her purse that she had reported missing. He told her that if she would come to his apartment, he would give it to her and she was afraid to go alone. So she had her landlord take her and waited and he waited for her in the car. When she went to Hardy's door and refused to enter he refused to give her her purse. So she turned around and left. And as she was walking away, he threw the purse at her, which is probably what saved her life because she didn't go inside the house. Smart girl, man. Yeah. Smart girl. I, I like it when they're smart. Yeah. So anyways, um, on January 2nd, 2003, the police were contacted after Hardy was spotted by a local at the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in Central London. They... The police arrived on the scene and Hardy was found. It was reported that he had put up a fight with the first officers who had arrived on the scene and he'd injured them both, but they were able to hold him until backup arrived. Because for people who don't know, street cops in England are not allowed to carry firearms. So it's not like they can just hold him at gunpoint, you know. But they can break a knee. <laughs> they can. They're not going very far if they break a knee. I'm just saying. So, finally, his victims were identified. They were 
34-year-old Bridget McLennan um, of Camden and 29-year-old Elizabeth Vallad of London. Bridget was identified by DNA, and Elizabeth, it, it was her torso that was in Hardy's apartment. Um, and she was identified by the breast implant serial numbers from her breast implants. Um, both women had a crack cocaine addiction, and all of the evidence found against Hardy made the police reopen Sally White's case because they now believe that she was killed and didn't die of natural causes. Oh, well, there you go, man. Yeah. Breast implants, identifying bodies since they were invented. I know, right? Can't get away with nothing if somebody's got a breast implant. That's right. Or a knee imp- or a knee joint or anything. Like the plate in my ankle will identify me for years to come. Oh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so. That's right. So if I if I uh, kill Squatch over here, I got to make sure to move her leg. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you which one, though. <laughs> What the fuck is I don't wrong have with any you? teeth. Oh, wait, I do on the bottom. Continue on because we can't hear what Jake's saying over there. So go for it. <laughs> Anyways, so he was questioned by the police and he had a mediator with him. So every question that was asked, he replied, no comment. He didn't even give any answers to the police or confess to anything. However, man. yeah, through his questioning, the extent of his crimes was revealed. He was held at the Old Bailey Courthouse in November 2003, which. Everybody knows the old Bailey is my favorite because it convicted um, what's her name in less than four and a half minutes. Uh, I'm, 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 I, just, um, I just had it. Amelia Dyer. Dyer. Yeah. Yes. That's, so, you our, know, that's, that, our, that's our four minute place. right That's there. right. That's our four and a half minute place right there. Um, and he and during his his trial, he finally admitted to killing the three women. It was revealed that Hardy lured these women to his apartment with the promise of money. He would engage them in extreme sexual acts and strangle them. He was, according to him, he was a pornographic necrophiliac who got gratification by posing his victims after death and taking explicit photos of their naked corpses. Okay, now that's a messed up fetish, man. Like, I I support fetishes, but not so much that. Yeah, that is like a porn, I mean, because that takes necrophilia to a whole new level. Yeah, man. Lee, well, dude, if you're going to kill them, that's bad enough, but why defile their, their dead bodies? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, you don't need to por- pose them in various sexual acts. And, yeah, no. somewhat respectful, for God's sakes. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, hang on. Like, I will totally not do that if I if I murder you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that I should be asking the question and not just making a statement. So apparently a close well, friend. maybe. <laughs> apparently a close friend of Hardy's by the name of Maureen Reeves reported that Hardy was obsessed with Jack the Ripper. He idolized the man and wanted to be just like him. He did good work. Yeah, she reported that he wanted to get away with everything that Jack did. It was revealed that Hardy's primary reason for murdering the women was so he could photograph them in specific poses. They believed that when they found Sally White, that Hardy was in the process of preparing her to be photographed. The photos that he had taken, he had developed at a local at a local developer. He had sent them to a friend, and they turned them over to the police once he was captured. He had taken... 44, approximately 44 explicit photos of Elizabeth and Bridget. And one photo of Elizabeth showed her actually wearing that devil's mask and a baseball cap. Now, Hardy, once he had photographed his victims, would use the hacksaw to dismember them in his bathroom so that he could dispose of their bodies easier. In interviews with neighbors, they said that they heard drilling sounds coming from his apartment at 
all hours of the day and night. Another thing that came out during his trial was that the counselors that were overseeing his treatment made a report and said that he was a danger to women, especially prostitutes. But the three-person panel that released him had put him back out into the public and failed to read that report. They just released him out into the wild. So they had released him to harm more women without even knowing that what what they were doing. If they had gotten the report before his interview with the panel, he wouldn't have been released, and the women he had he killed would have lived. Um, still, I just I don't know. It goes along with that guy here in Portland that I read to you about this morning, who was arrested for beating up that woman. So they charged him with the oh, third degree yeah, assault, yeah. which is a, a fourth degree assault, which is a misdemeanor. So they let him out, and the next day he killed somebody. Right, right, right. You know, but yeah, it's like too little, too late, people. So a guy by the name of Justice or Judge Keith presided over Hardy's trial, not the same one we know. And he was reported as saying at the conclusion of the trial that only you know how your victims met their deaths. But the unspeakable indignities that you subjected the bodies of your last two victims to satisfy your depraved and perverted needs are in no doubt. On November 25, 2003, Judge Keith sentenced Anthony John Hardy to three life sentences. Then... In May of 2010, his life sentences were converted to true life sentences, and he was refused to ever be released. I think they call it a habitual uh, violent offender or something like that, because they did it with Ian. Um, what's his name? From the Moore murders? You know who I'm talking about. I know you do. He's in the kitchen not now, so you can't really answer me. But... Um, so there were a few other possible victims that were murdered in the same way. Found, so they found two other potential victims that were reported to have possibly been seen with Hardy as well. The first victim, the first potential victim was a person found in the River Thames. And she, they were found, this victim was found in uh, trash bags. And the first part, body part that was found was by a man walking along the Thames. And he noticed something floating on the river. And it was the upper body of a woman, and she had been severed at the waist. Now, the medical examiner determined that her remains had been in the river for about two weeks prior to her being found. And she had been dismembered by a sharp instrument, possibly a sword. This victim had two distinct characteristics, and they were a tattoo of a rose and the name Zoe and a twisted incisor tooth. With those characteristics, they were able to identify her as 24-year-old Zoe Louise Parker. And she suffered from learning disabilities. And, However, there, there has been no leads or suspects at this time in regards to her murder. Um, the second victim they think that might be attributed to Hardy was found less than two months later. And this victim was found by three 10 year old boys who were fishing in the Regent's canal at Camden. They retrieved a bag from the the murky water. And when they opened the bag, they were horrified to find human body parts inside. They contacted the police immediately and the police searched the canal and they dragged and found approximately six bags of body parts wrapped in trash bags. Holy the killer shit. had used bricks to weigh the bags down. They didn't find all of her body either. They believe that either her other remains were still in the canal or he had kept them. Her, whoever killed her kept them as a trophy. It, this lady was later identified to be 30 year old 
31-year-old Paula Fields from Liverpool. She had lived in Highbury Grove for a couple of years, and she was the mother of two who worked as a prostitute to support her $150 a day crack cocaine habit. She was last seen on December 13, 2000, getting into a red car, and it was believed that she had been dismembered by a hacksaw. Then in 2011, Anthony John Hardy was no longer suspected of killing Paula Fields because John Sweeney was charged with her murder as she was his former girlfriend. But when I was kind of reading in on this case, because I, I wanted to like, check that fact, there's still some question on whether who, which one of them did it. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, I mean, it's, it's a give or take on either one. So... This is also a possible victim. There is also another possible victim linked to Hardy from 1971. And this, um, this victim is actually called Burton's Fred the Head. Apparently, this guy's skeletal remains were found in Winslow, where Hardy was born. The victim got his name because his head was the first thing found. They speculate that he was murdered after he was found naked, just wearing socks. That's not his. Yeah, he had his wrists and ankles tied behind his back, and he was buried underneath a mound of earth on, on an island off Newton Road in Winchell. That's not his victim, Paul. Yeah, well, wait. They suggest that he might have been Hardy's first victim because Hardy would have been 20 years old at the time. And this person was murdered, and the socks he were wearing were Mr. Men Happy Face socks. And it was reported that Hardy had put special socks on one of his other victims similar to those. Yeah, still. However, no. I don't... How, okay, let me give you this, though. I think that that might have had an impact on him. Okay. Being he was from that area, you know what I mean? So it might have had an impact on him, but I don't think that he killed him. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. Then on November 26th, 2020, Anthony John Hardy died in prison from sepsis. Oh, so brutal. probably uh, complications related to diabetes. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. So here's some questions. All right. How can a man with obvious mental issues fool a panel of individuals that work with these type of people on a regular basis to be released back into the public? Just because he has mental conditions doesn't mean that he's not smart. He's obviously True. intelligent. He, you know, so he probably has enough mental faculties to sit there and go, okay, I know how I need to answer these questions. True. Okay, then here's the next question for you. It has to do with the Australian Police Department. Why did they not pursue him further and charge him with attempted murder after he admitted that he had been intent on killing his wife? That's a good question. Maybe they were like, fuck it, we just don't have time. Oh, that could or be. we don't care. Yeah. You know, we, we see that a lot, you know, where That's cop true. shops just really don't give a crap. That's true. We have. I mean, yeah, because it's like, okay, so he had tried to kill his own wife and said he was going to kill her. He had every intent of killing her. Yet you just said, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Australia seems to be a very violent place to begin with. And I'm pretty sure the oh, cops were just yeah, happy that we, he didn't we actually kill her. a lot of um, unsolved ones from that area. Oh, yes. So... But yeah, those are the only two questions I have. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And we will see you guys later on. Bye-bye, you glorious, good-looking folks. And don't go licking leather. Mm, yeah, especially strange leather. At I mean, bars. At bars.
because you might just be teabagging yourself. That's, <laughs> That's what we learned gross. today. That is so gross. Okay. Mm. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Sweaty nuts. Bye.